Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. One of the long traditions of the church is that one of the Sundays soon after Easter is known as Good Shepherd Sunday. And you will notice that through the collect and the readings and the songs, this theme of Jesus the Good Shepherd continues to show up through the liturgy today. And that is no accident because that theme of the sheep and the shepherd is woven all through the Word of God from the Old Testament right through that reading from the book of Revelation that we had this morning. Jesus, the good shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, but the good shepherd who, doing that on Good Friday on the cross, was raised again on Easter in power and glory to continue to shepherd his people through all ages. So this morning's passage comes from John chapter 10, and I would commend to you to go home and read the whole chapter. Uh, It's a short chapter, but it is all about Jesus the Good Shepherd and filled with imagery about that. The section that we have this morning starts with Jesus in the temple on the Feast of Dedication, which is the feast that we know as Hanukkah. It is a feast that takes place in winter, And Jesus is strolling in the colonnade as the feast of Hanukkah is being observed and those stories are being retold. And that story of Hanukkah is celebrated because about 160 years before Jesus' time, Jerusalem and all Israel had been conquered by the Seleucid Empire and headed by a Greek king named Antiochus Epiphanes. And he was a pagan He came in, and as they took Jerusalem, they profaned the temple, offered a sacrifice to Zeus and the Holy of Holies, and sacrificed a pig on the altar. Horrible in the Jewish mind. And Judas Maccabeus rose out of the Jewish people and assembled a force of uh, warriors, and they were able to defeat the Seleucid Empire to retake the temple to retake Jerusalem and to free Israel from this evil power. Uh, There is a great oratorio by Handel called Judas Maccabeus that I would commend to you as well. So Jesus is in the colonnade of the temple while people are thinking all of these things about uh, what had happened 160 years ago and making the link to the situation they were currently in where they were occupied by a pagan empire and the temple Uh, even though they still had the right to use it, there was still a lot of Roman influence all around, and the Jewish people were not in charge of their own destiny. And that is why there are all these questions to Jesus, if you're the Messiah, tell us and make it plain, because they were expecting an earthly, political Messiah who would come and do what Judas Maccabeus did, get this evil empire out of there, and bring back the reign of the people of the Jews. But Jesus, throughout this chapter, over and over again, shows that he is a different kind of Messiah. The Messiah promised through the scriptures from the beginning, the Messiah who is the good shepherd, who lays down his life for the flock. Now, I want to do a little unpacking about sheep and shepherds before we go any further, because if you are like me, 
it is easy to have a lot of wrong assumptions about sheep and shepherds. Most of us have not really spent a lot of time around sheep or shepherds. The only shepherds we see are cute children in robes dressed up in the Christmas pageant, and the only sheep we see are either well-groomed uh, and well-coiffed sheep that are in the petting zoo or the little stuffed toys that are baby gifts with the little ribbon that's pink or blue and a little bell, and they smell nice. Let me tell you that that is not the kind of uh, picture of sheep that anyone listening to Jesus would have had. I want you to think a little bit about animals that are valued highly in our culture and animals that we celebrate. And one of the ways of looking at that is thinking about what animals do we use when we name sports teams. We have animals like the bears, the lions, the panthers, the eagles, the tigers, the gamecocks, the bucks, the jaguars, the bingles, the bulls. But I don't think any of us have ever been to a sporting event where people stood up and yelled, go sheep. Sickum. Sheep are not animals that we think of as being particularly uh, great in terms of courage. And the fact of the matter is that we, when we hear Jesus talking about us as his sheep, we have a very wrong idea of what that means. We think that it means that he has recognized how cute and fluffy and charming and witty we are. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that sheep are perhaps the most unintelligent animals that God ever made. They are stubborn, they are smelly, they are dirty, and they are helpless. If a sheep rolls over on its back, it will die. It will lie there with its legs flailing unless someone will come and set it back on its feet. It cannot get up on its own. Sheep are defenseless against predators, they are unable to find their own food, and they follow um, the lead sheep, even if it's going the wrong direction, like lemmings. There are regularly reports from the Middle East and from Turkey of sheep, even today, where if they get near a cliff, if one of them goes off, they're all going. There was, uh, about 10 years ago, an incident in Turkey where literally 1,500 sheep went over the cliff, one after another. It was a huge loss for those shepherds. So a sheep is not a particularly bright or attractive animal. So the other thing that's important to understand is we get a, an image of Jesus the Good Shepherd that is based on our wrong idea of sheep. We're thinking we are the, the smart, intelligent, well-groomed sheep and Jesus is not the good shepherd so much as he is Jesus the good life coach. He's standing on the sideline saying, go, you smart sheep. Uh, that is, in fact, not what is going on. Jesus understands how profoundly broken we are, no matter how good we may look, and y'all do look good this morning on Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day. It is not about what it looks like on the outside. Jesus knows our hearts. He knows that we are weak and broken. He knows that we are like that sheep on its back flailing, that without him, we are unable to live this life, and we are unable 
to get out of the pits that we find ourselves in. So in this particular chapter, John 10, Jesus talks about laying down his life for the sheep four different times. And that is an image that would have resonated with his hearers. When we hear that, we think about Jesus on the cross. And that's right. That's where Jesus did lay down his life for us. But it also means something else. In the time period that Jesus was teaching this story, the sheep that would be brought in at night would go into a sheepfold. And that sheepfold was an enclosure of rock or wood where they would go in and they would be herded in. And then the shepherd, in order to protect them, the gap at the opening of that sheepfold, the shepherd would lie down there. And that was where he would sleep. And he would protect the sheep by laying down literally his life there. If any predator came, it would have to get through him before it could get to his sheep. So this morning, I want us to look at the three statements that Jesus makes in today's gospel about sheep and unpack a little bit about what those might mean for us today. So the first thing Jesus says is he's looking at this crowd who keeps asking, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? And he says to them, you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. You do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Now, this is a clear delineation. You are either a sheep who belongs to Jesus, or you're a sheep who does not belong to Jesus. There is no gray area in between. There's no uh, confusion about that. You're one or the other. And this is the kind of thing that in our culture today we're very uncomfortable with. We don't like to say things are either this or that, and there's nothing in between. But Jesus could not be clearer that you either belong to him or you don't. This clear delineation is so important because it reminds us that if we know Jesus and we are his sheep, we have a responsibility to those who are not his sheep, who do not understand, who are like those people asking Jesus, aren't you the Messiah? And they're so blinded that they cannot understand. John Stone Street, the head of the Colson Center, made a great observation this week, saying that so many times we as Christians look at our culture and wring our hands in despair and get angry and think, why don't people act more Christianly? Why don't they act according to what we seem to know is right and wrong? And he had the great analogy of saying, would you be angry at a blind man who was trying to walk down the row and stepped all over your feet? And of course you would not because he could not help himself. And Stone Street said, in the same way, people in our culture are blind. They are profoundly lost, and it is up to those of us who are Jesus' sheep to pray for them, to invite them in, to help them. People who are not Jesus' sheep desperately need to become part of his flock because they are without a shepherd. They live in the domain of the thief. Earlier in this chapter, Jesus talks about how the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, to try to snatch the sheep away from the shepherd and from the flock. And in our culture, we are surrounded by people who have been led astray by the thief. They are like those people in another place where Jesus was looking down on a crowd and it said he had compassion for them 
because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And my friends, we need to have compassion on our culture, because if there were ever a culture that is harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, that is the world in which we live today. They are harassed, they are helpless, they are without a shepherd. So a couple of questions to reflect on. First of all, are you Jesus' sheep? Do you know that you belong to him? Do you know the comfort of his care? As that song that we just sang talks about, do you trust in him alone? And if you're not sure, this is a great Sunday to invite Jesus to come and be your shepherd. If there are people in your life who do not belong to Jesus, this is a great Sunday to be reminded to pray for them, to invite them in, to come and see what it means to be Jesus' sheep. And it's a great invitation to us who are Christians to try to follow our shepherd more closely, to not wander off or get lost. The second statement that Jesus makes is this one. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. This is one of the remarkable things about sheep that is quite surprising. Although they are profoundly, dare I say, stupid, although they are profoundly stupid, they're really good at one thing, and that is recognizing the voice of their shepherd. And if you've ever been in the Middle East or in a country where they keep sheep, this is one of the most remarkable things you can watch where you will have a holding pen at a town where lots of different flocks of sheep are being held while their shepherds do errands in the town. And when the shepherd comes back and wants to get his 20 sheep out of there, in the midst of all of that noise and chaos and cacophony, he will make a little call or say a few words or maybe even play a shepherd flute, just a few notes, and you will instantly see his 20 sheep perk up their ears, and one after another make their way out of that crowded sheepfold to the shepherd. It is the one thing they are good at. They know their shepherd's voice. The other thing that is so interesting about this is that sheep are unable on their own to find food and water. And they have connected the fact that the shepherd is the one who knows where those things are that he will lead them to where there's food and water. And they may not understand the path, but they know that he can be trusted to get them to where food and water, where good pasture and safety are to be found. Now, the only problem with this is that although the sheep follow even when they don't understand, if they get out of range of the shepherd's voice, they can be in deep trouble. If there's a sheep toward the back of the flock and it sees a little tuft of grass that's not quite in the direction the shepherd's going, it'll focus on that tuft. And once it's eaten it, if it sees another tuft that's a little bit farther over, it will go over there. And before long, that sheep will have gotten lost. Now, the good news is that Jesus is the good shepherd who goes after the lost sheep, as the children just sang about. Jesus leads the sheep and he is the one who blazes the trail to make it possible for them to follow. He scouts out the territory. If there's a ravine, they avoid it. If there's a muck pit where they will get stuck, he leads them around it. If there's a place where there are predators, he leads them far from that. He is like a pioneer, and as the book of Hebrews says, Jesus is 
the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And even more wonderfully that the sheep hear his voice is the fact that Jesus knows his sheep and they know him. They are not just an indiscriminate flock. He knows which sheep is the young and active one that's likely to try to run off. He knows which one has got a bad leg on its hind leg. He knows which one is old and weary and may need to be carried up the hills. Jesus knows each one of us, not the bright, fluffy, cute part that we show on the surface, but our hearts and our brokenness and our need. Jesus knows us, and the sheep who hear his voice know him as well. And the way that Jesus speaks to us today is through his word, through worship, through godly counsel. And the question for us to reflect on today, as we think about Jesus saying, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, is what voices are we listening to? We live in what is perhaps the noisiest age in the history of the human race. There's noise coming at us everywhere. There are TV shows, there are podcasts, there's YouTube, there's Spotify, there is everything that you could imagine coming at you all the time. And if we want to be serious about being Jesus' sheep, we need to learn to listen for his voice. The sheep in that sheepfold are surrounded by noise, but they are always listening for the moment that that call might come. And we need to make sure as Christians that we are putting ourselves in places where we can hear the voice of our shepherd. We need to make space in our lives for that to happen. And we need to make sure that we know Jesus, not just that we know about Jesus. This is not something where we are to be uh, just abstract. We need to not just have knowledge about him, but we need to know him personally. We need to know what kind of shepherd he is. We need to be in relationship where we are following him so closely. And that kind of shepherding will bring us life. And that brings me to the third statement that Jesus makes. He says, I give them eternal life, these sheep, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And here he's reiterating something he said just a couple of paragraphs earlier, and this is what it is, beginning at verse 7 of chapter 10. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And you can hear in this Jesus' love for the sheep, that he has done everything to make it possible for them to come to him. It is a free gift, this eternal life, that is by grace and not by merit. It is not something where we have to go enroll in Sheep Academy and do lots of training and try to graduate summa cum laude and then hope that we get the job that leads to life. It doesn't work like that. We do not earn it. It is a gift that is given to us by the Good Shepherd 
who lays down his life to open the door to make it possible for us to come in so that we will never perish, that we will have everlasting life in that place when we heard about in the lesson from Revelation where God will lead us as the good shepherd and wipe every tear from our eyes. But Jesus tells us in this statement that there is someone trying to snatch us away. We have an enemy. Scripture elsewhere describes Satan as a lion prowling around looking for someone that he can destroy. There is an enemy that is trying to snatch you away, to separate you from the flock first, and then to separate you from the shepherd. Wolves and other things that prey on sheep won't go after a whole flock. But if there's a sheep that gets separated from the flock that's defenseless, the wolves and predators will go after that one. And Jesus has called us, not just as our good shepherd, but called us as his flock. If you are part of St. Philip's, God calls you to be in that flock, to be present, to be with God's people, whether it's in church or in the tea room as we had this week, to be together with God's people because there is protection in that. The good shepherd is the only one who can give us this life. He is the only one that makes that possible. He is the only one who can protect us. We live in a culture where people are being snatched by the evil one day in and day out. And so often we think that the snatching of the evil one looks like some really nasty villain from a comic strip coming and stealing us away. But the fact of the matter is it's those little things. It's like moving toward that one tuft of grass and then the next one. As C.S. Lewis said in the Screwtape letters, uh, in the letter Screwtape, the devil writes to his nephew Wormwood about how to tempt people away. He says, don't worry about spectacular sin. Instead, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. My friends, we are called not only to be vigilant about staying near the shepherd and the flock, but also to be looking for those who are lost, to be praying for those who are lost, looking for the people that are on that gentle slope that leads to destruction. And the questions to reflect on for this statement First, are you living into that eternal, abundant life that your good shepherd promises you? Living water, food that restores your soul. Are you satisfied instead with the things of this earth? Are you sticking close to the good shepherd and to the flock? Or are you wandering on that slope that leads to destruction? I'm going to close this morning with a little story from Elizabeth Elliot, the great writer and teacher, who's the widow of the missionary Jim Elliot, who was a martyr in the mid-20th century as a missionary in Ecuador. She tells the story of an experience she had in the hills of Wales. High in the mountains of North Wales in a place called Lanny Mowdy lives a shepherd named John Jones with his wife Mary and his black and white sheepdog Mac. I stood one misty summer morning in the window of their farmhouse, watching John on horseback herding the sheep with his dog so that the sheep could be dipped against their will in a bath that would save them from parasites and getting severely ill. Mac, a champion Scottish collie, was in his glory. 
He came from a long line of working dogs, and he had sheep in his blood. This was what he was made for. This was what he was trained to do. Watching the sheep struggle and resist going to the bath reminded me of some experiences in my own life that made me feel very sympathetic toward those poor sheep. In those times, I could not figure out any reason for the treatment I was getting from the shepherd I trusted, and he didn't give me a hint of an explanation. As I watched these struggling sheep, I thought, if only there were some way to explain, but such knowledge is too wonderful for them. It is high. They cannot attain unto it. So far as they could see, there was no point whatsoever. I looked at Mary and asked, do the sheep have any idea what's happening? Not a clue, she said. And what about Mac the dog? I can't forget Mary's answer. They don't understand the pattern, only obedience. They don't understand the pattern, only obedience. So friends, let us remember that we have a good shepherd who is ultimately trustworthy, who lays down his life for the sheep, and who invites us to follow him, who invites us to bring others with us to come and see the beauty of what it means to follow him. I'd like to close in a prayer using the words of the song that we just sang that you might want to follow in your leaflet. Let us pray. The Lord's my shepherd I'll not want. He makes me lie in pastures green. He leads me by the still, still waters. His goodness restores my soul. He guides my ways in righteousness. He anoints my head with oil. My cup it overflows with joy. I feast on his pure delights. And though I walk the darkest path, I will not fear the evil one. For you are with me, and your rod and staff are the comfort I need to know. And I will trust in you alone. I will trust in you alone. For your endless mercy follows me. Your goodness will lead me home. Thanks be to God. Amen.